Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Strangers, let's talk werewolves. We know them. We love them. We somehow accept that they are played by men who transform from waxed chest Lotharios into slavering, hirstute beasts. We admit it's a strange modern conceit, but we have affection for the whole werewolf genre. Whether you favor the full wolf, the man wolf, or something in between, there's a take on the classic werewolf for everyone. Of course, we don't always use that word, werewolf. In fact, when it comes to cryptids, the language has some variety. Beast, monster, giant wolf, even wolf man has held strong. And certainly, the Americas have presented our own takes on the genre, both in folklore and film and even in urban legend. Folklorists and indigenous scholars have pointed out the similarities between the European werewolf and versions of the skinwalker and the wendigo and other figures and creatures from different belief systems and the mythologies of continents around the world. But there are also stories floating around that don't fit into any traditional narratives at all. In the past 40 years, give or take, a new term has picked up in popularity, Dogman. We are not referring to the popular children's graphic novel character, no, this is a term that is apparently native to the state of Michigan, and we will get to that, but its use has spread across the country and is used to describe all kinds of supernatural canid sightings. As far as we know, a dogman is a cryptid, in contrast with your classic werewolf. What is a classic werewolf? Well, to our understanding, it has, or had at some point, a fully human form. And a dogman? It doesn't, as far as we can tell. That's what makes it a cryptid, a creature. 
It might be anthropomorphic, and it might not. Maybe it's more active around the full moon, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's that word, dog, that widens the scope. Wolf conjures up something specific, but dog, well, the playing field gets nice and wide. So, why's the man bit there in the first place? As we mentioned, the anthropomorphic features, namely the human-like aspects, they aren't required, but there must be something beyond the canid. As far as we can tell, it can be based on the creature's appearance, but it's more their actions and perceived intelligence. They seem to be their own special breed, or breeds perhaps, of supernatural, which puts them directly into the cryptid category, along with more popular and similarly hairy entries, like Bigfoot or our personal favorite, the Skunk Ape. Based on witness accounts, these dogmen might look like wolves or they might look like giant dogs or humans crossed with either. Some are even described as hyena-like. They might walk on two feet or on four, but they always have some bipedal capabilities. These dogmen might be as tall as seven or even ten feet, or they might look just like a regular dog or a wolf until they don't. In our Dogman research, we've come upon a few books and websites that break the cryptid down into much more specific categories, types and variations and even subspecies. There are drawings, there are photos, and of course, in this digital age, there are videos. G.P. Haggard's book, The Michigan Dogman, collects all of these, along with news clippings and even eyewitness accounts. The results, as you might imagine, vary. The clearest photo we've seen is, well, to be honest, it looks like a husky-type dog walking on its hind legs very fast and somehow holding chicken drumsticks in its doggy armpits. But we are not experts. The photo is labeled Canine Variant 1, we certainly agree that this is a dog. Man is perhaps up for debate. And to be honest, strangers, normally we would leave it at that. We've all seen that dog on TikTok that runs around on its hind legs at night, right? It's unsettling, yes, but not supernatural. As far as proof of the paranormal goes, the blurry picture of the husky or the one we saw that we'd best describe as Comic-Con by Night, Rural Edition, was about the best there was. And normally we'd let it go at that. Strange photos are mistaken for the extraordinary all the time, right? But there are many other stories from eyewitnesses and varying sorts of proof that have come in from across the country and not just in the modern age. And these dogmen sightings are distinct from alleged Bigfoot sightings, though you'd imagine that these creatures might be confused. On this show, we've often brought you cryptid stories that focus on a single moment in a single town. You might remember our forays into the legends of the Dover Demon or the Flatwoods Monster, but sometimes a legend is simply wider encompassing a state or even a region. 
And that's what we have for you today. Because the Dogman is a bit of an enigma. For a relatively obscure cryptid, the Dogman has had staying power since the late 1980s at least. A power that some believe waxes and wanes, not on the schedule of the moon, but rather by the decade. And we'll get to that in a minute. Canine cryptid sightings have been reported for at least 150 years all over the United States, and many of those are now retroactively being called dogman encounters, though the language itself is fairly new. And the most common region for a sighting of a dogman is the Midwest. You might say he was born there, in Michigan to be exact. And that's where we're headed today, the Mitten State, holding this cryptid tenderly in its fuzzy little palm. Why so many dogman sightings in Michigan? Perhaps canids have an appreciation for lakes. Or, possibly, it's Michigan's millions of acres of forest. Or, maybe, it has something to do with the events of a particularly eventful day in April of 1987. That, strangers, is another topic that we'll be getting to. But for now, know that there's just something about Michigan that makes these cryptid canids feel especially at home. On this podcast, we've frequently mentioned a reporter-turned-cryptid expert named Linda Godfrey. She was a regular journalist on a small-town beat when the Beast of Bray Road phenomena caught fire in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, way back in the 1980s. Since then, she's written books on a number of such cryptid creatures, Though she's traveled all over the United States, she has a special affection for the cryptids of the Midwest. And most importantly, she still reports on them, occasionally even with some skepticism. And because she began as a journalist, eyewitnesses come to her with stories that they might not share with other people. She's written two books on werewolves in America, and it's no surprise that one of them is primarily devoted to the Michigan Dogman. Her book on the subject opens with her experience of running through the Michigan woods, accompanied by the camera crew for the show Monster Quest, and in the presence of something distinctly inhuman. She follows that up with the eyewitness reports of Dogman sightings from across the region, but largely concentrated in northern Michigan. Most were reported in the last 40 years, and most of what Linda records are experiences from the late 20th and early 21st century. This is interesting, since Michigan Public Radio writes that the first sightings of a werewolf-like creature in the Great Lakes state probably came in the late 19th century. Per Michigan Public Radio, the story goes like this, quote, That's when two lumberjacks saw a creature they described as having a man's body and a dog's head. A monster, they might have called it. Or a creature. But not then, we guess, a dogman proper. When NPR spoke with a local historian, Rachel Clark, of the Michigan History Center, she explained that this early story was reported and then passed along by the region's loggers. Which makes sense when you consider how robust the lumber industry in Michigan was at the time. As NPR notes, quote, 
In the 1870s, Michigan was the leading white pine lumber producer in the nation. Now, normal wolves of the non-supernatural variety, they are adaptable creatures who can live in all sorts of habitats. But they are fond of forests, and we know that construction and deforestation can disturb wildlife. In fact, the environmental impact of commerce has been blamed for many Bigfoot sightings, or bear sightings if you don't believe in Bigfoot, throughout the years. But the description of a man's body with a dog's head seems really specific, doesn't it? Scary, but not as frightening as a wolf. That's actually what a local Michigan DJ named Steve Cook thought when he decided to write a song called The Legend, nearly a hundred years after that first sighting. You see, Steve Cook wanted a spooky tune, but not something too spooky. So he decided that a dog man, not a wolf man, would be the perfect choice. He released this song in April of 1987. Remember when we mentioned that fateful month and fateful year? Now, this episode doesn't focus on a single dogman sighting originating in that month, but Steve Cook's song seems to have brought stories out of the woodwork, or the forest. Some of those stories dated back as early as the 1930s. Some were current, but for many people, the lyrics to Steve Cook's song, The Legend, were hauntingly familiar and reminded them of experiences that they had tried very hard to forget. According to the Times-Herald, on April 1st, 1987, over an electronic beat, Steve Cook spoke, and we mean he spoke, the following words, or very close to them. He performed this song for his listeners under his popular radio alter ego, Bob Farley. Despite that, it was apparently a rather spooky moment. He began. A cool summer morning in early June is when the legend began. At a nameless logging camp in Wexford County, where the Manistee River ran. Eleven lumberjacks near the Garland Swamps found an animal they thought was a dog. In a playful mood, they chased it around till it ran inside a hollow log. A logger named Johnson grabbed him a stick and poked around inside. Then the thing let out an unearthly scream and came out and stood upright. None of those men ever said very much about whatever happened then. They just packed up their belongings and left that night, never heard from again. You'll note, strangers, that story seems to reference the same events that Michigan historian Rachel Clark discussed earlier in the show. It goes on from there. Every decade, the dogman appeared, as the Times-Herald noted, in the eighth year of the decade. Steve Cook went on to describe other alleged sightings, including the following. In 57, a man of the cloth found church marks on an old church door. The newspaper said they'd been made by a dog. He'd have had to stood seven foot four. In 67, a van load of hippies told a park ranger named Quinlan They'd been awakened in the night by a scratch at the window. There was a dog man looking in and grinning. More followed until he finally finished with the words, 
Have the dogmen gone away? Have they disappeared? Soon enough, I guess we'll know, cause this is the time for fear. For another ten years has come around, the seventh year is here, and somewhere in the Northwood darkness, a creature walks upright. And the best advice you may ever get is to never go out at night. Did Steve Cook make this connection between sightings and cycles, or was it already known? Hard to say, because as soon as he played that song, he received a huge response. The radio station's lines lit up. Listeners asked for him to play it again and again, and then they began to call and write with their own dogman stories, ones that lined up with the things Steve Cook had mentioned in his song. And strangers, it should have been a moment for true cryptozoological excitement, a unifying moment, a true believer, reassured and galvanized by his fans. Except for one strange thing. Steve Cook had made the whole thing up as an April Fool's prank. And we mean he really made it up. Steve Cook said that he even went so far as to create the phrase Dogman. He'd picked it up and chosen bits of local folklore and stories, but as he later told The Skeptic magazine, he'd quote, made it up completely from my own imagination as an April Fool's prank. Or so Steve thought. But things have a way of taking on a life of their own. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode, kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
It seems that at first, the calls to the station were funny, but then they got a little spooky. According to the Detroit Free Press, Steve found one caller's story particularly unsettling. A man named Robert Fortney said that he'd seen the dog man 50 years before, all the way back in the 1930s, and he'd kept it to himself. Only Steve's broadcast compelled him to speak. Robert had been fishing when, quote, a pack of wild dogs approached him on the bank, and Fortney fired a shot from his 22 caliber hunting rifle to scare them away. Then, as Steve Cook told the press, quote, all the dogs scattered out of the way, except for a very large black dog with blue eyes. It stood and looked at him for two minutes. He was amazed by the fact that this thing was standing there looking at him on two legs. And that was only one of many, many calls. Their content highlighted something that Michigan History Center's Rachel Clark told NPR. In regard to similarities, she explained, quote, It's a lot of times people who are again alone, either on an isolated road or in the woods. Their encounters are very similar, though. They do talk about this beast coming out of the woods. It's very agile. It jumps in front of their car or in front of them. It scratches at their houses or their tents. In an interview with researcher Frank Holes Jr., Steve Cook said, At first, we thought people were playing the April Fool's joke back on us. But none of the reports were amusing or over the top, and the callers seemed sincere. It really wasn't until the Luther incident that I began to feel like maybe there's something to this. And what, strangers, was the Luther incident? According to the Traverse City Record Eagle, it was a possible dogman attack. Soon after Steve Cook first played the legend on his radio station, a small home in what was described as, quote, a swampy area, experienced a strange nighttime onslaught by a shadowy enemy, something that was practically predicted by his song. When residents awoke one summer morning, they found evidence that a great beast had been at their door, literally. Per the Detroit Free Press, in July of 1987, quote, there were dog tracks around the cabin, paw prints on the window, and the marks of a dog's teeth on the molding. The authorities who examined it decided that the creature who attacked the home, whatever it may have been, was, quote, apparently trying to get into the cabin. Per the Lake County Star, quote, the official report noted the damage was caused by an unknown animal. That was the most dramatic incident that year, but it did make Steve seem like something of a prophet, and his song, a hit. It was played every year on the radio, and per the Detroit Free Press, he donated the proceeds to an animal shelter. Now, interestingly, new dogman sightings, they did not stick to the schedule that Steve Cook's song had proposed. Between 1993 and 1994, the Grand Haven Tribune reported a number of sightings, including several separate reports of, quote, creatures fitting the description of the Michigan Dogman in Robinson Township. Those occurred, quote, in and around the Hoffman Nature Preserve. And also in 1994, 
The Tribune noted that a car in the same area hit a large animal that, quote, the driver couldn't explain. In the same area, a couple of children reported they'd seen a creature that was, quote, half man, half dog. And those were just a few of the stories floating around the state. Between websites, message boards, and the books of Linda Godfrey and G.P. Haggart, we could give you a hundred or more examples. Some of these are limited to enormous scratches on doorways or tent flaps, or others that swore that a wolf or dog-like creature stalked their cars, or stalked them through fields or forests, or even down lonely roads. The Lake County Star noted in 1993 that, quote, a six-foot-tall animal looking like a dog was reported seen near Todd Lake, and the sighting was reported by two different sources. And you can probably imagine that there were more campers and hikers who saw something funny and decided not to speak up. As author Linda Godfrey mused to the Battle Creek Inquirer, people always tell me the same thing when they see these things. It's as if people go through a file in their brain, figuring out what this creature could be, and there's no answer. Seeing animals doing things outside of the purview of their characteristics, it's very unnerving. And with Steve Cook's song playing every fall in Michigan, and getting an update when 1997 rolled around because, of course, it was the magic decade year when the dogman would appear again, per Steve Cook's own lore, the legend of the Michigan dogman just grew and grew. As we mentioned, as time passed, varied evidence, including photographs and film and video, began to surface. We think we can blame or thank it spread on the rise of the internet. It made everything so much easier to disseminate. Perhaps the most famous is a bit of evidence called the Gable film. Per Michigan Public Radio, a man named Mike Agrusa released a video purporting to capture his dogman experience. According to IMDb, Mike Agrusa released this tape in 2007, but claimed the footage was actually shot when he was a boy back in the 1970s. Now, we've seen this very clip. It appears to capture three and a half minutes of what's largely vacation footage. We see figures riding around on snowmobiles and a man chopping wood, a pet dog playing in the forest, and film captured from the passenger seat of a truck. It's in the last 30 seconds that a figure, a menacing, creeping, werewolf-like figure, comes scuttling out of the forest and toward the truck. As you might imagine, this little film made quite a splash among Dogman believers. It's by far the most terrifying evidence of a cryptid that, since Steve Cook's song premiered in 1987, had been growing in Michigan and in nationwide popularity. The show Monster Quest decided to take on the film in its episode on the Dogman, which it called the Wolfman because, well, why miss out on a merch tie-in when you have one? But anyway, the film was a key bit of their research. According to the Lake County Star, the Monster Quest crew spent, quote, significant time in Lake County and throughout northern and southern Michigan in the fall of 2009, with the goal of examining evidence, conducting an investigation, and most importantly, tracking down witnesses. 
They were especially interested in the Gable film. Unfortunately, it did not stand up to their examination. It was an exciting bit of evidence in an episode, like most Monster Quest episodes, mostly involved running around in the woods. Steve Cook, who joined the crew, was along for the ride, and according to the episode, season one, episode 13, he's the one who dropped the bombshell on them. The Gable film was a complete fabrication, a hoax. And he knew, he said, because the filmmaker had told him. When the disgruntled monster hunters spoke with Mike Agrusa himself, he explained how he created the whole thing, how he made the film look old, recreated the 70s look and feel with the clothes and the snowmobiles, the whole nine yards. It was quite a reveal. People weren't particularly pleased with Steve Cook at that point, because he seemed to have at least implicitly endorsed an outright hoax. But he insisted he'd just been having some fun, and he was not discounting the stories that had come into him about the dogman, but not really. He'd just always taken them as they came. The Detroit Free Press wrote that Steve Cook claimed that he did later do actual research and find mentions of other early stories that might indirectly report a dogman, like a diary from 1857 that included the phrase, quote, near the barn it stood, as if a man, yet it bore the countenance of a gray wolf. And numerous articles point out that comparisons between the Wendigo and what French trappers a little to the north called the Lou Garou shouldn't be discounted. After all, society and cultures shape concepts in different ways. Steve Cook felt that he'd somehow, however unconsciously, tapped into something with ancient roots. That logging story he told way back when he wrote that song, it seemed to have a little more basis in truth than he first thought. We know, of course, that Rachel Clark, the Michigan historian, mentioned the frightful, possibly paranormal experience that the forestmen faced, but the local paper, the Lake County Star, did them both one better. It dug into the archives. Per the Star, there were articles mentioning not just beast sightings, but specific attacks dating back to the mid to late 19th century. For instance, in 1875, a man named Neil Jacobson, who'd been at work at the R. Hansen & Co. lumber camp, was found frozen in a lake. He was mostly naked, and in the opinion of the journalist who wrote the 19th century article, had died of serious, self-inflicted wounds. But the 21st century star reporter? She wasn't so sure. She reported at the time that Neil was described as having serious flesh wounds and as having, quote, broken limbs from trees that would defy the strength of ordinary men. At the time of his death, Neil's wounds were assumed to be self-inflicted. However, as modern journalist Shanna Avery writes, there was clear evidence of an animal attack in the woods. Something much taller and stronger than Neil had come crashing through the trees and had marked them with teeth and claws that Neil did not possess. And in 1875, 
a camp heard screams coming from the woods, and they found a teenage member of their party, quote, literally torn to pieces in a short time. Large animal tracks surrounded him. And there were other strange stories of bodies in the woods or found in odd places, too. So did these stories turn Steve Cook, writer of the legend and dogman popularizer, into a believer? Well, no, but he's certainly become what you might call an appreciator. In 2010, Steve told the Traverse City Record Eagle, I've gotten an abject lesson on how folklore is created. It's way beyond me. He continued to the free press, I'm tremendously skeptical because I've sort of seen the way folklore becomes built from the creation of this song to what it's turned into. But I do believe people who think they saw something really did see something. I also think the dog man provides them with an avenue to explain what they couldn't explain for themselves. 12 years after he made that comment, there are still Dogman headlines in Michigan. As recently as late 2022, the Midland Daily News reported that, quote, Michigan trucker believes he encountered, shot the Dogman. The trucker in question spotted the creature from his rig and took aim, but he didn't leave the safety of his vehicle to try and collect proof. He told the paper, I was really in shock for a good while. I was still driving the truck, and I didn't even know how I got back. I shouldn't have been driving the truck in that state of mind, but I wasn't going to stay around or park anywhere near there. Strangers, there's something to be said for tapping into the unconscious, isn't there? Steve Cook might think he invented the dog man, and maybe he did. But if other people have had the same thoughts and told the same stories, for years before you, are you creating something or are you just beginning to feel it, to sink into the legend of the land? It's something that historian Rachel Clark has at least considered. She told Michigan Radio that she remains open to the idea of a real, live Michigan dogman or dogmen. She told NPR, for a long time, there were stories of large cats in Michigan, and that was sort of dismissed. And now we have cougar sightings. There's been quite a few in the last few months. So I'm not saying there's a dog man that's going to show up. However, who knows what's living in the forests of Michigan? Who indeed? We have to say, that song has cast its doubts upon us. But then there are those giant tracks and those pesky bipedal dogs and those glowing eyes. We ultimately land on the side of caution. So as you head out into nature, strangers, in these spring and summer months, well, make sure to have some silver on you. We're not sure if that would work on a dog man, so be sure to take a few biscuits or Maybe a really great frisbee to throw, just in case. Because, more than anything, we certainly want you to come back safely.
We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers, One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, blogs, and occasional live streams, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in our show notes. You can also listen on Apple Premium. As of April 2023, we're offering two bonus episodes a month. And if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to leave us a great rating or review on your favorite podcast app, because it really helps. Thank you.